Oh, hey, <laughs> you know what I learned the other day? What? There are awards for podcasts. Really? Yes. So, do we have to nominate ourselves? Somebody has to nominate. Us. <laughs> oh, we can. Help. We can't even get Facebook likes, <laughs> followers on Twitter. Yeah, but we don't know what the what the criteria is. Yeah, we could be already Google, be winning. Google uh, podcast uh, awards and then nominate us for all of them. Okay. Thank and you. the winner of best podcast with a cowbell goes to atbetcher.com. <laughs> is the AT Banter Podcast, a balanced and entertaining look at assistive technology, accessibility, and its importance in people's lives. Join Rob Minot, Ryan Fleury, and Steve Barclay as they banter with people around the world about anything and everything regarding assistive technology and the disability community. Now, on with the show. Hey, and welcome to another episode of AT Banter. Banter, banter. Oh, did you hear that, Ryan? I did hear that. What? Who is that phantom phantom voice? It's a stranger from the past. Ooh. My name is Rob Minot. Joining me today, Mr. Ryan Flurry. Howdy. And the one, the only... Mr. Steve Barclay is Holy back. Holy I should be away more to get a intro like that. <laughs> I know, right? Nice. That was like an intro. Elvis could have, couldn't have had a better intro <laughs> than am, that. I am so done slacking off. I'm back, boys. Excellent. How, how you been? I've been, uh, I've been okay. I've been okay, you know. Uh, had a great summer. Yep. Got some nice camping in, some great fishing in. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, did a little bit of work in between. Yeah, we heard. We heard you went to like an RV park down in somewhere. Okanagan. Lake Lake Country. Mm-hmm. Lake yeah. Country. Was that nice? Uh, that was uh, for a presentation, and uh, it was a uh, lovely country. Was it? Yeah. Excellent. Yep. That was a long day. Drove yeah. up <laughs> 3.30 in the morning up to Kelowna. Got there, did my presentation, had lunch with a fellow up there, and then turned around and drove back. <laughs> yep. Um, hey, Ryan. Rob. What are we doing today? Today we are talking with President and CEO of Accessible Media Inc., Mr. David Arrington. Hey, this is a pretty big get. This is a, this is a, a big guy in the industry. I think so. Um, AMI, this is um, a really amazing channel, I have to say. Can you say that with enthusiasm? <laughs> he's back for 10 minutes. He's, he's, he's already giving me performance notes. What's with this? Freaking droopy dog. I'll have you know. <laughs> droopy Rob. Uh, no, listen, AMI is, well, tell the people what AMI is, Ryan. AMI is the leader in Canada of described audio programming for the blind and visually impaired. Well, not only that, I mean, all they have, you know, specialty programming. They for, do indeed. Yeah, this is going to be really interesting to, to talk to somebody this um, ingrained in the, in the industry, for sure. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. You know, the nice thing about AMI is they're inclusive, right? They, they hire people from the community as well that have disabilities. And, you know, so you kind of get their opinions, but as well as, you know, their community reporters who are blind, visually impaired, or other disabilities as well, yep. reporting in with news stories and topics. And it's an interesting look at the Canadian landscape. Yep, sure is. So that will be coming up a little later. But uh, hey, there is a news article that I want to talk to you guys about. So you want to do some news? 
Let's do some news. Okay, so I'm really interested to get your guys' take on this. I, I, I saw this a couple weeks ago, and I was, I was very intrigued. It turns out Audible uh, is getting sued by like seven publishers <laughs> for this new feature that, they've, that they're attempting to roll out called Captions. So the publishers are actually taking issue with this new feature that was first unveiled, uh, I guess it would have been in July, and is set to go live this month through partnerships with U.S. schools. The feature uses machine learning to transcribe spoken words into written ones so users can read along while they listen to an audiobook. The issue, however, is that Audible is doing this based on the audiobook recordings, which have separate licenses to physical books and ebooks. The company is not apparently obtaining the necessary licenses to reproduce the written versions of these works. Now, because Audible is relying on artificial intelligence, it, it seems like they're trying to claim that there's a distinction between this newly created piece of text that's composed using AI and the actual text from the book. Um, and and they're, they're sort of rolling this out as, a, as an educational feature. It, it does actually really help reading comprehension if students can actually read along with, with text, especially when it's just sort of being fed to them through audio. Yeah, that is true. You know, I, the, the argument is one of semantics, right? It, it really is. Uh, no, you think so? See, Audible's buying the rights to produce an audio version. Now they're yeah. scraping that and providing a text version that they, do, they don't have rights to distribute. Yes and no. I mean, I, I really do. I see both sides of this. And, I, and yeah. kind of, Ryan, I'm kind of glad that you're sort of taking the other side because we can have an interesting <laughs> counterpoint discussion. Well, I, I don't know that there's really two sides to it. I think this boils down to just a, a licensing mm-hmm. issue, right? They, they, they need to, this, this just hasn't come up before. So right. they need to Clarify. modify their licensing models to make it make sense for both sides. You know, uh, what they're what they're doing, what Audible's doing is, is admirable mm-hmm. because, like you said, it, w- it will provide uh, improved reading comprehension. It also opens up their service for people who are deaf and, and right. you can't hear the audio recording as well. Sure. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't I don't know particularly anything about, you know, licensing of, of book rights. But uh, whether whether you're taking the text and displaying it or you're using voice recognition to display it, I think is pretty much the same thing. Well, you know, the, what, what audible has sort of said is that, is that, you know, well, one, it's based off this AI and they say that the AI isn't flawless. Like the, if you were to compare the text of the, the actual text of the book with the AI produced text, there are differences because the AI doesn't get it right completely. Well, we've tried using AI to provide transcripts of our podcasts and we know how that turns out. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, well, yeah. And, and with a lot of books, there's, you know, they, they have, they've purposely hired voice actors to be able to do things like accents and stuff like that. And how's that going to work within, with an AI, they would be better to take the actual text of the book and then try and synchronize you right. use the AI to try and synchronize it with the, the spoken word rather than, than regenerating. Voice, yeah. Rather than voice mm-hmm. regenerate it. Right. But, uh, yeah. But again, like, you know, I, I guess what, what stood out to me uh, about the story in general is it's just this, you know, here we have audible that's trying to actually build in this accessibility feature into their, into the service. 
and we have this pushback from the publishers over something that's, <clears throat> like you said, it's a little bit semantic. It's Nobody's, financial. Yeah. It's financial. Yeah, very likely. That's the whole, the whole point. Well, and, you know, nobody's, nobody's going to be able to take this captioning feature because the way the captioning feature works is that the, the text actually appears on, in the app as, as it's being read. Mm -hmm. um, there's no, it's not like you get a huge, you know, text version of the audiobook that you could just take away and print off and go read it and use it like a, a regular book. It doesn't, it doesn't work like that at all. So there's, there's really no fear that... Um, somebody is going to, you know, oh, I've, I bought the audiobook version of this book from Audible, and haha, -ha, I can go print off the text version well, using this feature, and now I have the, the printed copy as well. That's, that can't happen. That's, are you sure? Or is it yes. Like, sure, no, is it, it likely to? Like, there's I mean, screen recording software and there's audio conversion to text software. I'm sure it could be done. I, I don't, honestly, I, I don't think if so. They, if they can use an AI to capture the audio and turn it into text, then surely you can find something that will capture the text and turn it into text. But, but you could do that capture using two different programs anyways, right? Like you could use a, a, a whatever, I guess a speech-to-text. I'm sure there yeah. are speech-to-text programs mm -hmm. out there, right? But, and but is, is, is anybody really going to go to that bother, though? Yeah, exactly. No, 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 of course not. Of course uh, not. It's of course not. more for education anyway, wasn't it? <laughs> It, well, it is. That's yeah. that's what they're they're offering it for. So, right. and I I don't see anybody like sort of abusing this. So I think what it comes down to is, is just licensing. You know, mm -hmm. the publishers, and it's all the really big publishers, like you know, Doubleday, Penguin House. You know, these are these Penguin are all House. the <laughs> random house, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> like Penguin House. <laughs> it's it's all the major uh, book publishers uh, that are that are pushing back against this. So. Um, but it's really, it, I think you're absolutely right. It's, it's really just licensing semantics, but I don't know. It's just a shame. It seems a shame to me that Audible's getting crap for this and pushback for this when it's really, it's, it's, it's an accessibility feature at yeah, the end it, of the day. It is unfortunate, but you know, book publishers have had a pretty spotty history when it comes to accessibility and, and even, um, you know, providing, um, accessible text for, um, you know, accessible book production, right? Like producing a braille copy of a textbook, for example, right? You know, it's been uh, an uphill battle for uh, education systems around the world to get publishers to give them files that can actually be turned into meaningful, um, accessible documents. So uh, they they don't have a stellar record when it comes to accessibility. So well, yeah, for sure. I mean, it doesn't uh, really surprise me much. And it's not only the first time this has happened. I mean, a few years back, apparently Kindle tried to do something similar, it just in reverse. They mm -hmm. would they were offering this this uh, basically text speech service mm -hmm. that they got all kinds of pushback from the publishers and ended up dropping as well. So mm -hmm. you know, it's it's. It's frustrating. It's frustrating to see, you know, accessibility trying to be baked in to some of these apps and then they, they just sort of get pushback from it. Yeah. So. <laughs> and the horse. <laughs> no. So we'll see. I mean, we'll see how this sort of this this uh, shakes out. I don't know if they're still planning on rolling out this feature. Um, it, it supposedly was coming out this month. I don't know if it still is. I don't know if the lawsuit is going to be. 
uh, impacting that somehow. Uh, but we'll certainly it'll be something we'll keep an eye on and maybe give you an update in the uh, in the coming weeks. Hey, Steve, why don't you tell the fine folks about Canadian Assistive Technology? Well, Canadian Assistive Technology is a Canadian-based distributor of, guess what, Assistive Technology. I would not have guessed that. Uh, really? Oh, i got to work something better into the name <laughs> then. Um, and uh, we do uh, all kinds of low vision and blindness aids, as well as all kinds of physical access aids and uh, accessible furniture, you name it. Visit our website at www.canastech.com. Rick, let me ask you about this. Chaos Technical Services. Chaos Technical Services. Don't sound so excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Speaking of repairs. We are the sister company to Canas Tech. Um, we do the repairs on uh, low vision devices, uh, uh, reading machines uh, for libraries, braille printers, and pretty well anything in between. We can be found at uh, www.chaostechnicalservices.com. So this week, we'd like to welcome to the show President David Arrington from AMI. So David, my name is Ryan, and joining me in the room, I have Steve Barclay. Hello there. Hi, Steven. And Rob Minot. Hello. Hey, Rob. And we're going to try to be gentle with you. All right. I'm a, I, I can handle it. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Well, th hey, thanks for, so much for taking some time out of your day and talking with us. Um, you know, we're, we're obviously big fans of AMI, but maybe just to, to set things up for, for those people who are maybe are listening who aren't familiar with AMI, just give us a little bit of a snapshot of, of what AMI is and what it offers. So AMI is a, a media company uh, that we offer three broadcast services, uh, two television networks, one in English, one in French, and an audio service. And all of our content is focused on persons with disability with a target to the blind and partially sighted. And all of our content and media platforms are totally accessible either with captioning or with audio description. So, uh, and it's open description, so you don't have to access it using a remote. Everything we do has open description. So, um, been on air for the TV side, been on air coming up on 10 years now. And uh, the French side is up on their fifth year. And audio has been around for over 20 years. So uh, a long history of accessibility. Um, we are mandated services by the CRTC, meaning that uh, every cable company, every satellite company in Canada has to carry our services. And we're funded through the CRTC as well. Now, is, is AMI f um, fairly unique worldwide? Like, is there is there any counterpart, say, in, in the United States or in Europe anywhere that you know of? Or are we yeah, we are the only television network. Yeah, to my knowledge, we are the only full television network dedicated to persons with disabilities in the world. Wow. Um, which makes the Canadian broadcasting system quite special. I know we, we bitch about it at times, but uh, if you think about it and you compare it to other broadcasting systems around the world, when it comes to accessibility, Canada is a definite leader. Finally, we lead. We're winning. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it's, uh, there's a few things happening, you know. So, like... Um, with, with captioning, it's been that way for a long time now where all content, 100% of content has to be to caption both both uh, live and, and non-live TV. Uh, but description, we, we are a leader in the world with respect to description. Uh, that's going to take a big leap forward this month as uh, the CRTC has mandated, mandated that all prime time has to be described, excluding news and live events. So Canada has leaps and bounds of uh, total number of hours that are being described compared to any other broadcasting system in the world is is quite significant. So um, we're going to figure out the numbers, but we think it's going to be, if you exclude live event and you exclude news, 
I think you're going to get close to 70 or 80% of all content on Canadian programming being just uh, having description. Yeah, that'll be that'll be nice. You know, it was interesting. I think we covered a story uh, earlier in the summer, though, that um, some of the the big three media companies, I think it was I know it was Bell and Chorus were maybe it's just two and Rogers and Rogers. That's right. Yeah. So they were kind of doing a little bit of pushback against that, though. They were kind of complaining a little bit about the fact that that the the 72 hour window um, wasn't going to allow them to really provide um, uh, audio descriptions, so it'll it'll kind of be interesting to see where that that lands. And, and yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting yeah. in in general that that they are getting pushback from that, and that they're they're making it's some. It's not noise real about that. pushback from the. I'm gonna side. I'm gonna side with the broadcasters. You might be surprised, but I'm gonna side with the broadcasters on this. They, they're they're not pushing back on the idea of having everything in prime described. They're actually quite embracing that, and they're doing that. The problem they have is on U.S. content that comes in that they simulcast. So say it's a show like CSI or whatnot that they simulcast. Right. They may not get that show until the morning of or the day before it airs. Right. So they physically do not have enough time to add description to that show. And there's no there's no pressure or, or, or onus put on the American producer to produce that show with description as right. of yet. Okay. So they're asking for anything that they receive within 72 hours or less that they get a buy on the first airing of it, and then on the second airing or any uh, or any uh, other uses like that, say online, they'll add description. So it's really not oh, a okay. it's not a pushback or a cost thing that they don't want to do it. It's an actual logistical thing that they don't have the time to turn the description around. Yeah, see, the so that, sort- that's the relief that they're asking for. Yeah, well, and that makes sense. I mean, that, that's something that, that I don't think that the story we covered, you mentioned you know, the fact that, that the second run would certainly have audio description. It was just that first that first simulcast run. You should have called me. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> but that, yeah, that's... that's No, but it's, it, you know, and it, but the onus should be on the, like in Canada, I would, I'm going to, I'm going to guess, I would think the majority of all content that's not live event or news, like just general programming, yep. is being, description is being produced at the source. So when, you know, when the production creates the show, like Shit's Creek or something like that, they're adding description at that at the production level. It's right. very easy to do. It's not very costly, assuming it's like a, a, a tiny bit of their overall budget. But in the States, there's no real push to have that to be done right now. Right. So American American production companies are not adding description at the at the actual product, production of the of the product. They're doing they're they're relying on the on the broadcaster to, to do it after the fact, which is when you get into problems. So mm. it's really the onus should be on the actual producer of the content to add description to it at, right. at source. And that would solve all the problems. Well and and it would make the, the audio description that much better as well. You know, when you've got the actual right. content creators creating, you know, the the, the descriptions yeah, it's it's just going to be better than, you know, one of the the broadcasters trying to do it. That's right, and especially if you put time constraints on a broadcaster and it turned around, so you may not get the right voice. It may, it may be rushed. It may not be the quality that you want. There's nothing worse than bad description, you know. So mm-hmm. um, it's really it's, that that is the whole thing. That's the thing that needs to change is the way, is when the description is, is created and, and developed it needs to be done at the source as part of the production of the of the property of the content. And do you know if NFB or ACB or anybody is pushing pushing that down there? Yeah, they are. Um, 
unlike the Canadian broadcasting system that uh, that is uh, government uh, has government oversight, that doesn't really happen in the states. They have the FCC, but it's not really uh, an oversight. It kind of is, but it's not. It's more a technology thing, uh, and there's really not uh, there's really not the embrace by government right now. I'm not going to say anything further um, of, of of enforcing accessibility into law. So. Um, you can say you're a proud Canadian. The Canadian broadcasting system <laughs> is more in line with with embracing all people who want to consume media. It's part of the Broadcasting Act, uh, whereas the states they don't. So I know that the the, the different organizations and blind and partial sighted organizations in the states lobby on on behalf of that, but they don't get much traction, which is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's such an important aspect of media. Like it, it just it it kind of it's just something that should have been being done long ago. I mean, if we you think of, of how ubiquitous uh, things like co- closed mm-hmm. captioning has been for 20, 25 years or more, um, you yeah. know, why the heck haven't, hasn't uh, something like audio description really gained traction? Because the technology uh, has been there to produce these, these separate tracks and to be able to offer them. Yeah, it's not the technology. The technology is simple. It's not the cost. Because you think about what they spend to produce a half-hour show of whatever. It's it's, it's in the hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not the millions of dollars, right? Yes. Um, And to to produce an hour of description, it's about a thousand bucks. Hmm. (laughs) So it's not cost. So it's really just an awareness and, 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 and a push or impetus to do it is really the issue. Which in turn comes down to demand. I mean, it's just, you know, people, people in the community, they just need to make noise and, and to let them know that this is something that, that they want. And so, you know, again, I guess it comes down to education and and just getting, getting people on board to actually push for these things. Absolutely. For sure. So, uh, let's uh, switch a little bit and talk a little bit about you yourself. Um, how long okay. have you been with AMI? Um, this is my 10th year at AMI. Um, and, uh, it's been, I, it's gone by really fast, <laughs> as you do, but, uh, it's been special and I've been in the broadcasting business for about oh, 28 years now. So, uh, um, um, it's been a, a good a good place to be for me, and uh, I, I'm happy here. We, we've accomplished a lot in the ten years that I've been here. We've got a great team, and uh, and we got lots to do. So it's a good place to be. So at, were you always sort of like, like when did you sort of become aware of of the of accessibility within media, and and what sort of drew you to it, or was it just sure. sort of happenstance? A bit of both, you know. I, I uh, uh, my first job in media was at Astral, so I worked on the movie network and things like that. So I knew of captioning back then. This is like early '90s, so it's a long time ago. Uh, and then uh, I left there to launch a television network called The Score, which is a sports network. And uh, I, I was at that point in time, I uh, I was more aware of accessibility because I was kind of overseeing it all. So I was very aware of captioning. I was very aware of live captioning, which is a big challenge for us running a sports network because you run so much live programming. Um, I sat on a number of CAB boards, uh, the pay especially TV board, and we, uh, so I was kind of aware of it at that side. So it was more or less like I, 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 I didn't – I wasn't always like a big advocate. I, I, did, I knew about it. I knew the responsibilities of it. I knew the importance of it as an operator, um, but I didn't see it as my future at the time. And then uh, when uh, uh, AMI or at the time um, – 
voice print, got the license for a television network, they they actually were, I got headhunted for the job. So it was at that point in time where I really kind of dug my heels in and figured out what description was and the importance of it. And so I kind of knew from a regulatory side and from an operational side, but from the advocacy side, I really needed to, to figure it out and get educated upon it and, and, uh, and kind of turn it that way. So um, it's been a long 10 years of learning and, and continue to advocate on behalf of accessibility and and, and implementing that and, and seeing our network and, and, and the Canadian broadcasting system and, and follow up be kind of a leader worldwide with respect to media and accessibility. So it's been a big learning curve and I'm, and I'm still learning different things every day. So, so talk to us a little bit about, you know, when, when you guys sort of first started out, um, was it, was it intimidating the idea of creating this channel that was, that was all the programming was going to be around disability and, and accessibility? I mean, was, was it ever, was it ever a, a hurdle for you guys to, to the idea of creating an entire channel based on that? The, the mission actually changed. So when I first came here, our mission statement was to make all media accessible to all Canadians. So because at the time when I came here, there's only the CRTC had only mandated, I believe it was four hours per, per week of described content. So there's really no description available anywhere on the broadcasting channel. So you think about where we are today compared to then, one. Um, two, um, the the uh, the uh, awareness of what description was, even within the blind and partially sighted community, was quite small at the time. So the lack of awareness of it. So the actual idea of the channel was to take other people's content and add description to it, mm-hmm. add open description to it. So we would buy content from CBC and, and other Canadian broadcasters. We buy a lot of American content. We buy a lot of foreign movies and things like that. And the channel really was focused on just taking other people's content. Didn't matter if it had disability within the content or not. It was just like general general content, adding description to it um, and, and making it available as a source for described content within the Canadian broadcasting system. As, as we kind of grew, um, we, we saw the role shift to more of that as a, a network that uh, creates content for the people in the community. So it's content that's relevant to them. So um, as other broadcasters added more and more description, and even now, if you think about it, you know, 100% of prime time is going to be described. Right. Who needs a channel of other people's content that has description on it? You can get it ever, everywhere anyway. So we really changed the focus to becoming creating our own original content. And that's where you see all the shows on the website. Right. Uh, that's where you see uh, a big investment in our own Canadian content, a big investment in our own platforms like our website and our mobile app and things like that. And really creating a channel that's focused on the blind and partially sighted community and all disabilities and content for them. So it could be anything from our morning shows like live from Studio 5 on audio that we simulcast on TV, uh, which kind of talks about the news of the day from a perspective of a person who is blind or from the disability community, to specific programming, be it uh, Employable Me or Eyes for the Job, where we actually have people from the community represented on screen. Um, and then the third part of the content is once in a while, we'll take other people's content like a movie, but we'll talk about the description in and out of the breaks and kind of add an accessibility angle to it. So it really flip-flopped, I would say, probably five years ago, we really shifted and, and moved away from buying other people's content, adding description, just playing it out to becoming a media company that's focused on original content for, for the blind and partially sighted community. So, so in that 10 years, I mean, it, it must have been a, r- a really interesting 10 years because 
when you guys first started, I, I mean, was there was there anybody else doing audio description? No, it exploded. So, you know, they're, they're, the broadcasters are only mandated to do four hours a week and they would bury it in the middle of the night, you know, on some easy con. There was really no, no demand. There's really no demand or awareness for it. So it's like night and day. It's, it's, it's totally shifted. You know, they, they, the, the, the understanding of government, the understanding of the CRTC, um, the advocacy that we promoted over those 10 years, I think, went a long way. We represented the community at the commission. We represented the community at government. And the perception amongst broadcasters in Canada has really changed along the way, too. Um, the understanding of the importance of accessibility, the understanding that there's a huge market for it, um, and that they should be participating in this. So it's been a huge transformation. And, and I think we can't take all the credit, uh, we'll, but we'll take a lot of it because I think we advocated very strongly on behalf of media accessibility across Canada. Um, and now we're kind of hold, held up as a gold standard in, uh, within the Canadian broadcasting system. Just going back to your, your previous statement, you were talking about your mobile app. And one question I had is, you know, you guys yeah. have had an iOS app for quite some time now. Can you tell us if or when yeah. an Android app will be coming out? Yeah, so that's a good question. So we, when, we, when we launched our app, we, we, we do a, what we call our tech monitoring research every year. So we do an, a panel and we, we get... Uh, we actually have a panel of people who are from the community in Canada, blind person said uh, Canadians. Um, and every year we do kind of a benchmark survey on, on technology use. And when we were looking at launching our app, it was overwhelming iOS, yeah. the use within the community. Um, when we did that same survey for the third year in a row now, that shift is changing dramatically to more Android app usage. So it's still dominated by by ios but there is a strong push for android so we are in the process now of looking at developing an android app um, that we will launch within the next 12 to 18 months um, and that's something that uh, uh, we weren't prepared to do as soon as this because we thought ios really dominated the community but uh, we saw within our research there's a dramatic shift in the last year year and a half yeah no that's totally understandable you know my thinking being totally blind as well and you know i've been on ios i've been on android and, you know, one of the things Android has going forward is, you know, there's many more choices of phones out there at lower price points. And the accessible accessibility yeah. now is almost, if not on par with iOS. So that's great news. Yeah. That wasn't always the case, though, three or four years ago at the time. So that, that has really changed in the last couple of years, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, how often do you, are you guys developing new content? Yeah. Um, so we are going to we're morphing into more of a specialty channel. So we are morphing into more like a uh, like a, a slice or a HGTV channel where we're really focused on disabilities with our target audience of blind and partially sighted. So we're on the English side. We're doing over 100 hours of original content, a new original content per year that we're producing ourselves. And on the French side, it's close to about 80 hours per uh, of new original content. Uh, so we're really driving our original content production. We want to have this whole reservoir of content that we can repeat as much as we want. So when you turn the channel on, you're not you're going to get accessible programming 100% of the time. Um, two, we own the rights to that content so we can push it out multi-platforms. We can take and put it to our iOS and our future Android app, or we can run it on our website, or we can look at selling it to future OTT services like Netflix or, or Hulu or Crave or wherever it may be. So there's a huge push uh, on, on our behalf to create as much original content as possible where we own the, uh, the IP on that content and we can push it multi-platform. 
Just saying, AT banter, the TV show. <laughs> well, they've already got Double Tap Canada. We got we got some competition yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, if you got an idea, you can always log on to AMI.ca, and there's a there's a whole form for you to fill out with your idea. We we love to entertain it, so um, we're always looking for new uh, original ideas on my content. Well, I know that on our Halloween show, when when Steve carved a pumpkin live he cut himself <laughs> that's right and that was great entertainment that, and that was uh <laughs> we got a large response from our audience for that so maybe we could develop a show where just every week steve cuts himself <laughs> with a different there you object. Go. <laughs> sounds good cutting edge sounds programming good. that's right people want blood <laughs> it's all genre on that isn't there right that's right that's right so that's what people loved about game of thrones it'll be it'll be our, our game of thrones <laughs> Um, right. It's time for another episode of Ow! With Steve. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what not to do with Steve Barkley. <laughs> so in in the U.S. And, and to Europe, does it kind of still surprise you that nothing like this exists there? Has, has anybody reached out to you guys and said, you know, look, this is amazing what you guys have done. Can you give us any pointers? Do, do you hear any rumblings yeah. that something that's going to start, be starting up? I think, uh, I think, yeah, in, 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 in countries like, like in European countries like the UK um, or, or in Australia, um, there, there, there's a, there, there's a push like the BBC does a big push on accessibility and things like that. So they're, yeah. they're kind of following suit with us. Um, thing that separates us from other countries is, is the way that we are funded. So for instance, we're, we're what's called a nine one H service. So we're a must carry service and we're must carry on digital basic and they have to pay us a certain rate per subscriber per month. So we have guaranteed revenues that makes a huge difference. Um, and we're not for profit. So no one's, no one's getting rich off this where all the, all the money we make goes back into the content. Um, so that doesn't exist elsewhere that I'm aware of. And, and so they kind of rely on the traditional broadcasting model where you got to sell ads or you got to do this, or you got to right. get distribution. Whereas all that goes away from us. So other channels like ours would be sort of something like APTN, Aboriginal People's Television Network is the same as us. Um, CPAC is the same as us. And I really think that's a, a unique part of the Canadian broadcasting system that I, that is special because right. without that, we don't exist. Without that, I don't think APTN exists. And they're very powerful brands, and they create great content, and they tell great Canadian stories. So um, it's, it's, it's part of the way that the broadcasting system sets up for us. Yeah, that makes sense. A lot of people are envious. So like When I go to the States and present our network, there's everybody complains about why can't they have it. Hmm. So, Is there any... Um, is there any uh, difference between the various political parties in terms of support for you guys? Are, are you being threatened by any of them with defunding or? I be very careful how I answer this. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, um, it's, it's really, um, we've, I've been in this job with both conservatives and liberals and, and, and on the federal level and, and both on the, on the provincial level here in Ontario and, and the support for our service hasn't wavered. Uh, I will say that uh, the, the, uh, the minister Quattro, the minister of disability and sport, um, that, that minister, ministerial role, I don't think existed in the conservative government. That's a newly uh, appointed role yeah. uh, within the, uh, the liberal government. And we, we deal with the, the minister on an ongoing basis. We share our research with her. We, we advocate on her behalf. She interviews with us quite often. So I would say it's, it's, that's been the benefit. But 
the power changes, I, I, there's nothing to say that a conservative government or a liberal NDP government wouldn't offer the same thing. Excellent. Good to hear. And the new the new ACA, has that impacted you guys in any way? Uh, well, I thought even one thing it has done is it's brought a huge awareness to disability, right? Mm-hmm. So it seems to be the hot topic of the day, which is good for us because that's our brand. So um, from a logistical standpoint, no, it's just, it just gives more support of what we're trying to accomplish here, right. um, more support for a funding model uh, and more understanding within the public. Um, but it just seems like it, the disability or accessibility seems to be a a topic that is it's in it's in the forefront now, whereas five, six, ten years ago it wasn't. Thank you, Microsoft. <laughs> yeah. So going back to talking about um, described video, yeah. H- how realistic do you think it is that one day it'll just be a hundred percent all all programming on? any given channel is just described. It's just what we do. It's like, it's like closed captioning yeah. is now. I think that's, I think on Canadian content, I think that's already happening to be honest with you. The exception is with live, live is tough, yep. live and news, right? So that's, that's the tough part. But this is just like dramas or documentaries or comedies or that sort of stuff or long form movies, that kind of thing. That's already happening on Canadian productions. The, the issue is, 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 lobbying american productions to do the same right and and that's out of our control that's that's not something i can do or we can do at ami so i think in the future they'll eventually catch up because i think there's gonna be a demand for this and and a voice for this but uh, it's already happening in canada if you turn on cbc and you look at their schedule the majority of their content is described Hmm. anything for any other major canadian broadcaster it's really just with the exception of live event and news so in terms of that, in, in terms of that American content, have you seen any movement in terms of like, is it getting at least a little better or are there more? Because we know that like things like Netflix, like all the Netflix originals yeah. have have described uh, video. Um, is it getting better? Right. I do. The, yes. I don't want to sound negative, but yes, it is getting better. Um you would notice, you know, I think it was like five years ago when they, they launched their new superhero show and they had their first description on it. Um, there was a huge out backlash on that. So without when they launched without description, so there was a yeah. huge backlash on they added description after the fact. So I think just, I think there's just a, a need of awareness within the production industry that it's, it's not costly. It's, it's, it adds a huge benefit. It gets you more, more people watching or consuming your product. Well, why wouldn't you do it? I really believe in the States it's an awareness issue. Right. So I think the ball is moving, just not as quick as it is here. They don't have the tools in place to do it like we do here in Canada. It's funny. I think that described video in general just still isn't really... As a concept, I think that even within some of these communities i think i feel like it it really has to develop traction it has to be people have to realize that this is a viable option because you know i I keep thinking back to to all the stories i'm always hearing about uh, movie theaters for example uh and the the described audio equipment in movie theaters a lot of times are broken or it doesn't work or the staff doesn't know how to use it it's just it doesn't seem to ever be in demand you know here we have this technology in place that that allows for this and, and allows for for visually impaired people to sort of um you know experience this media 
and it's just sitting stagnating in, in some ways. Yeah. Um, and that's well, a- I think the one thing that may help you with that is the the new the new. I know are you guys Rogers or Shaw? You're Shaw. Oh, Shaw. You're, you're calling from Vancouver, right? Yeah. You're Shaw. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So they have the new Blue Sky Box. Right. Yes. With the voice activation. Yep. That makes a huge difference. Hmm. Right. Because that makes that makes turning on accessibility really simple. It's not a hard thing to do. So yeah. that's a that's a big game changer with respect to how people consume the content or get to it. Yeah, we actually had one right. of the getting together with technology groups in Edmonton do a video on the Blue Sky Box, and everything from you know telling you what all the buttons on the remote did to actually turning on the voice guidance, being able to bring up the channel guide and, and have the audio actually tell you what's on, what time, what channel, and being able to set your own PVR yeah. recordings. So we, you know, they've taken a big step forward. Oh wow! Yeah, and I, I would. I would highly recommend it. <laughs> uh, we have it in my home, and it's it's awesome. Yeah, no, I would. Can you say that? Can you say that again with the word Linda in front of it? <laughs> <laughs> That's right, right from the president of AMI. <laughs> yeah, no, it's. Uh, I have the Rogers Ignite in my home, and we use it all the time. And it's 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 great. It's it's a good product, and I I saw it for the first time in the states when it was at Comcast, mm-hmm. and. Uh, the, it was uh, the guy who developed that was one of the major developers of Comcast who put that product together is from the community. So he's figured it all out. Um, one of the, sorry, Rob. One of the questions I had, and this is probably an issue for, for all of us who are visually impaired or blind, is there is no one central TV guide that actually tells you what show is described. It's hit and miss. You turn, you tune to a channel. No, 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 nope. Nope, you we, you haven't been on the AMI website. We have the DV guide there for you. So, but that well, that so we actually have a central DV. Yeah, we have a central DV guide that you put in your postal code. It'll give you the options of what carrier you are. So it will give you Bell or it'll give you Shaw out there, whatever right. it may be, or Telus. You plunk that in, and and it gives you a total listings of all the con- of all the program that has description available on, on your on your dial. So that's CTV, Global, CBC, all all the Canadian everything. Networks? Really, everything, even the American channels. Yeah. Oh, if you go on AMI's website, it's there. Okay. It's on a DV guide. I'll have to go back yeah. and look. Boom, boom. Now I need it in app form. <laughs> in Android. <laughs> well, that's the other thing too, like the uh, the app. We think that over time that our mobile app is going to really be one of our number one driving uses of content yep. because it has all of our original content on it. It's easily searchable because the, the, the phone itself is, 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 has accessibility built right into it. Um, you can kind of pause and stop and down and kind of download and do that sort of stuff. So we're really, we're really excited about adding more and more content to that mobile app to, to get us to the next level for sure. Excellent. Well, that's awesome. Look at that. You learned something, right? I did indeed. Yeah, yeah. Now I just have to move my computer to there my living go. room. <laughs> and convince your wife. To and convince my <laughs> wife to get the new Blue Sky box. <laughs> the, that, pro- the problem is, though, Shaw yeah. Blue Sky's been out for like, I don't know, three to five years now. As soon as I get it, they're going to come up with a new system. Oh, right. So I'll be behind again. No, I, no, <laughs> no. They're doing a whole big change over to uh, IPTV, and it's, 
it's there to stay. It's like that old brown Rogers box or digital box used to have. Remember that with the clunk, clunk, clunk on it forever? Oh, yeah. You thought that was never going away. <laughs> it eventually went away. So, um, no, it's, you're going to see it's, this is the future. It's, it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's IPTV TV. So it's not over cable any longer, right? right? Mm-hmm. It's using data rather than actual cable. So you can fit more channels in a, in a, in a smaller space of spectrum. Um, and it's two way. And it's it's uh, it allows you to surf Netflix and all the over the top services as well, and you can search YouTube or the website on or the web using the box. Right. So it's a real game changer. It kind of it's like your it's like your home panel of everything there for you, and it's all voice activated. So it makes a huge difference to people from the community. It's not just about TV and broadcasting; it, it brings everything to you. Right, man. I should go work for Shars. <laughs> yeah, yeah you're, doing, you're doing a good sales picture. <laughs> doing a good job here, aren't I? Good. <laughs> Uh, one of the questions I had, uh, and I don't know if you still got it listed there, Rob, is a lot of your reporters, you know, field reporters, on-screen people are from the community, are blind or visually impaired. How how would people yeah. go about getting involved if they were interested? Sure. So we wanted to make sure that um, our shows were being produced by people from the community. So, our, but most notably, by our reporters. Um, and, and we did a huge recruiting process. So, and we developed a lot of on-air talented people. So people like Kelly uh, from Kelly & Co. or people like Dave Brown. Like they, they had no broadcasting experience, and we kind of took them from ground up and, and, and developed them into that. Mm-hmm. And a long-term goal for us, I'd love to see someone like Dave Brown or Kelly end up on a CBC or a Global you right. know, as, a, as a, just a regular broadcaster. Yeah. Because they can do the job. They do it for us on a daily basis. So that's kind of the long-term goal. Um, the next priority for us is getting people not just on screen, but behind the screen. So we want to kind of help people get into the production side of the business or the, or the business side of the business. So we've uh, actually launched in the last year two programs. We launched our intern program where we are working with either high schools or colleges uh, within, the, uh, within the area um, across our office. We're offering intern positions. Um, and we also have a, a mentorship position where you can come in and kind of sh- job shadow someone within the company uh, just to get a sense of it's something you're interested in and going forward with, um, uh, and just to try to get more people from the community involved in media and broadcasting. So that's two programs that we've offered for a long time, uh, for two for a short time, and, and just on-air representation for a long time now. Right. And if you have a few more minutes, we haven't really touched on AMI, Audi- AMI Audio much. Can you kind of... Tell us yeah. what the difference is between the two and and why there's the two. Yeah, so AMI Audio has been around for over 20 years now, and it was originally originally launched as a reading service. So at the time when screen readers weren't so ubiquitous and mobile devices weren't so easily to take content and, and, and add voiceover to it, um, there was a real need for reading services, um, and, and audio performed that very well. Um, that being said, we still do some some reading services on on audio and it's mostly magazines or books or shows or things that you can't get in an audio format um so we'll provide that to you we've actually kind of morphed it into more of a of a, an immediate information thing so uh it's an audio service rather than a television network so there's no no pictures with it um we 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 it, because it's audio it allows us to do things more immediate so if there's like a breaking thing like in vancouver we can go down and cover from an audio standpoint rather than trying to get a whole tv production crew around there so it's more it's more immediate it's more newsworthy um and we do that i don't know if anyone, do you, if you guys watch any of our live at studio five in the morning live at five in the morning our show from time to time um 
yeah, so we have that show running, and, and the purpose of that show is to kind of go through the day's events, but also reach into different communities. So we have community reporters throughout the country from small little towns from the community who are blind and freshly sighted, and they just kind of, because it's audio and it's easy and it's an easy technology to use, uh, allows us to kind of get into those community reports and immediacy of it all. So it's kind of more from a reading service to the more of a tel- more of a radio programming service dedicated to the blind and freshly sighted audience. Right. So we and we simulcast that morning show on TV on on on, on AMI TV. It's kind of like a news of the day from the perspective of the blind and freshly sighted community. Yeah, you know, it, you got to catch it though here on the here on the West Coast. You got to catch it later in the day because I don't yeah. want to get up at five a.m. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we, we we repeat it, but you're not getting it live. Yeah, no, yeah. no, that's uh, that's a traditional West Coast concern that I've heard many times over my 27 years of broadcasting. So yeah, no, yeah, we thought about that. Is what it is. Yeah, li- yeah, live at eleven thirty would be a win. <laughs> <laughs> live whenever we get out. Yeah, exactly. that's right. And that's why we. Have yeah, that's the thing too. You know, like the the use on our podcast on that show is quite high, and I don't shows like that. Are, I, I think people are just the way that they consume them is really changing. It does the live portion of it isn't all that important anymore. It's like. Yeah. I'll just download the podcast and listen to it when I want to listen to it or That's type true. thing. So it, it's really changing. So, well, we do. Uh, but that being said, I, I, I hear the concern of the West Coast. Well, we do the same thing with TV, right? You know, like my wife doesn't watch live yeah. TV. She'll record everything and then go back and skip through the commercials later. So it's the same with podcasts. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay, don't skip all the commercials. Gotta get paid for right? <laughs> yeah, really, Ryan. Sorry. <laughs> if you want this to work, <laughs> if you want these things to survive, you gotta you gotta watch some commercials. Okay, anyway, that's a different topic, different day. Exactly. Um, I have one more question. If you guys don't have any, yeah, go for it. Okay, where or why? Do you guys get your existing content, such as like Matlock and suits and stuff like that, yeah. stuff that's been off the air for a while? Yeah, so uh, that's a pet peeve of mine. Okay, so we are we are we are trying not struggling. We are trying to edit that out. We are trying to make our programming more consistent. So you got to fill a twenty four hour day, hmm. and to do that, um, you've got to either run your own original content mm-hmm. or you have to buy content from other people and run it and shows like matlock and magnum pi whatnot you can get them relatively cheap right and you can run them a lot so you can eat up a lot of hours during the day with that type of programming over time you're going to see a significant change in our schedule starting this year actually as we have more and more of our original content that's going to replace that content okay so that's what we're trying to get wean off of. It's like it's like cheap cheap programming. It's easy to buy, easy to describe, um, and, and it, you can run it a lot. It just eats up a lot of hours. And then prime time, you can run your your major shows. Right. But it helps you keep the thing running during the day. So we're moving away from that over time. You're going to see less and less of that as we move forward. Well, I'll watch more and more of it if you bring Dukes of Hazard on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could try. You know, just, just submit it in the form, right? That's right. Just submit it in the suggestion Feedback form. Feedback at AMI.com. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, that's what you'll see on a lot of specialty channels. That during the sure. day, they're running a lot of that old kind yeah. of content or they're running their own original content they can that they can really run a lot of and not burn out plays right. when you buy content you buy so many plays 
Are you done, Ryan? I'm done for now. <laughs> I know where to find them. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> Sorry, David. <laughs> hey, no problem. No problem. I'm, I'm more than happy to do this whenever you guys are up to it. So it's... Uh, um, I, I enjoy these things. So it's not a big issue. Well, awesome. Well, hey, thanks for taking some time out and, and talk to us. It was an absolute pleasure. And uh, yeah, expect expect our submission for our suggestion for a show in, in the coming <laughs> yeah. weeks on on the AMI All forum. Right. Uh, so yeah, well, well, before we let you go, where can people find AMI online? You can go to ami.ca um, and all the information is there. And uh, you can also enter uh, ami.ca forward slash DV guide to find out what listings and what channel in your local market for AMI. So um, that's your best source of information right now. So thank you. Perfect. Perfect. All awesome. right. Thanks again, David. Thanks, guys. Take thank care. You. Thank Take you. Care. Yeah. Bye-bye. Have a great day. It's like, I'm not giving these guys a show. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's a look at the industry that we wouldn't normally have a look into, right? So, mm-hmm. some interesting tidbits yeah, in there. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I was I was far more pessimistic about the state of audio description before talking talking with David. So, uh, it's interesting to hear that that we're actually doing pretty good. Oh, and not only that, that, that we're so unique. Here uh, we go. What? Rob's an unoptimist again. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? What really surprises me is that there's not more European countries with a similar sort of model. Because, you know, we, we always think about Europe as being quite socially progressive when it comes to disability issues. But yeah, especially this, the BBC. In this case, they're, they're you know, lagging behind. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I know that the BBC is very involved with in, in a lot of uh, disability advocacy and stuff. I, I see it all the time online. So I'm kind of shocked that they don't have a spinoff mm-hmm. channel like this. So yeah, that's okay. But, but good for us. Good for Canada. That's Yay. right. Absolutely. We suck at hockey, but... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. All right. Actually, I don't even know that's that. Did we? I don't know who won last be a time. Fighting the guitar dungeon, <laughs> and in this corner we have Let's Rob the Optimist. Let's be honest; they're all Canadian, anyways. A lot of doesn't them. matter. Who cares? <laughs> and that's been hockey talk. <laughs> that is Rob blasting again. I'm gonna pitch that show for AMI talk, hockey talk with Rob. Be <laughs> a short show. Who cares? I don't like sports show. Boo sports. Yeah. Oh dear. Ah. Oh. Okay. Anyways, what were we talking about? Yay, kitty cats. Yeah. So. <laughs> Um, are you, yeah, I think you need to get that blue sky box, Ryan. I think we need to advocate. You know what? You. The reason I, I, I didn't really fight Linda on this is because I watch two programs on TV. I don't watch TV. Well, maybe you would if, no, if there's you... nothing on, there's nothing on that I'm interested in, you know, cause when I do ask her, you know, to look at what's on at seven o'clock or eight o'clock, like CTV has an app and I can look at the full schedule for, you know, whatever day I'm looking for. Doesn't tell me what's described, but I can yeah. really see what's on. Hmm. Um, you know, and I could probably do that with the global app and CBC app and so on. Right. But I just, as far as I know, there's just really nothing on I'm interested in. Hmm. Well, check out that AMI schedule and mm-hmm. maybe you'll see something on one of the other channels that you don't currently get. And then you can yeah. go and demand Lynn to get it. Yeah. And then you'll all tune into it and it won't be described. <laughs> That's why you go to the AMI site. That's right. So it'll yeah. tell you if exactly. it's described. Yep. We just got to get the, the internet companies like the Amazons and, and well, Netflix is already doing a lot of it, but mm-hmm. the Hulus and the Craves. Like, I don't even know if anything, anything, anything is described on Crave. I don't have Crave, so. Yeah, that's a know. good question. That's yeah, a, that's a good, sure. good, good question. Yeah. 
because everything go is going IP, right? Like, you know, do you think we'll see a day where there is no cable subscriptions? It'll all be online media. Well, you know what was really interesting when is when he, you know, he gave the, the straight up number of how of you know what it costs actually to to audio describe an hour of content. It's a thousand bucks. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, you throw that in the the production budget of any given show, and that's nothing. Peanuts. It's, yeah. yeah, nothing to them. It's throwaway. That's their lunch budget for the week. That's yeah, right. It's the catering. <laughs> less, less them. Probably. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it. I guess it just comes down to demand. I mean, especially down in, in the U.S., um, where, let's be honest, probably 70, 80% of, of our particular, you know, media content comes from. Yeah, well, and, you know, I wonder, is audio description covered in the ADA? You know, we're having this whole website accessibility fight right now, right? Is is audio description in there anywhere? I don't know. I don't That's know. Good question. You know, is it in the ACA? Uh, I don't know. I know we don't. No. Know, we know nothing. No. No, I don't believe so. Yeah, it's not mandated. I mean, that's a separate thing. That mm-hmm. the whole mandate of, of the, yeah. the primetime content. Hey, Ryan. Rob. Where can people find us? They can find us online at atbanter.com. They can also drop us an email if they so desire at cowbell. Oh, oh hang on. Wait. At, oh, wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Okay, hold on. Let's do that again. At cowbell. Oh, shit, I forgot the rest of it. <laughs> okay, sorry, we're going to do it again. Wow. At, at cowbell at atbanter.com. You're just stunned by your hockey talk early, aren't you? <laughs> and they can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Yes, indeed. Yeehaw. Um, anything else? Anything else in closing thoughts, Ryan? No, I'm done. All right. Well, that is going to about do it for us this week. Thanks, everybody, so much for listening in. And we will see everybody next week. This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H dot com. Or call us toll free at 1-844-795-8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778-847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com. Whoa, look at that. Master of the one take.